0: The biggest piece of advice is don't chase the romanticism at first, you are chasing a dream, but don't romanticize your main character to the point that you falter and trip over it to the point of making yourself unhappy and exhausted. Get the house in a place that is an environment that makes you comfortable, speak the language that makes you comfortable, do the things, your hobbies, your passions that make you comfortable you're doing the same thing and you are the same person that you stepped on the plane and stepped off the plane. You are the same person. You're just in a different place. Make yourself happy first and then romanticize it, Frenchify it, <laughs> and, and and chase the rest of that dream later on.
1: You're listening to the podcast, The Life of a Bon Vivant. Manifesting your Paris dreams and more. I'm your host Bita Hashimpour. This podcast is designed to inspire, elevate, and help you step into the abundant life you deserve, whether that's in Paris or anywhere else in the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Life of a Bon Vivant podcast. I have the lovely Shannon Priddish uh, over here on the podcast. And I am so excited because I absolutely adore Shannon. She is so sweet and lovely. And if you don't follow her yet, she's known as This French Life over on Instagram. You should be. But welcome, Shannon. Thanks so much for being here.
0: It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on Vita.
1: Oh, the pleasure is all mine.
0: Seriously. Like I said, if you guys
1: don't follow Shannon yet, she is such a wealth of information when it comes to all things French and all things France. So uh, Shannon, tell us how you (laughs) even got to France, because I know you're American. And for any listeners who don't know, you obviously uh, moved from America. So can you tell us how you came to even learn and know so much about France and decide to move there?
0: I love that question. It's a great one. Yeah. In fact, here's a story for you real quick, Vida. I have this silly little blog that I created during my very first trip to Paris. And every once in a while, it pops up in my Google alerts and it just popped up two days ago. And I'm not kidding. Almost 14 years to the day was my very first trip to Paris. And I was flown over by a client because at the time I owned a marketing and public relations agency in the Portland, Oregon area. And so I was flown out for a project for a couple of weeks. And that was my, that was it. That was it. So every once in a while, that blog post pops up and it is so funny to read through and realize how far my French experience has come. (laughs) It's It's been quite the experience so far. I would love to read that blog post
1: because I feel like, obviously, when I met you in 2021, I believe... You know, you already knew so much. You have been like a mentor for me in France. And I think it'd be so fun to read those early blog posts when you probably didn't know as much. Like you said, that was your first trip 14 years ago, right?
0: Oh, absolutely nothing. I was practicing bonjour and merci (laughs) and s'il vous plaît, on the plane. I'm not kidding you. Um, I was uh, as green as I I could possibly get. And, uh, you know, so that story evolves, right, because my host uh, put me up in housing out in the 14th district part of Paris. And uh, I thought I was going to literally be hosted the entire time that I was there for this project. And no, I I mean, I didn't come over with any plans whatsoever, which maybe in in part that idea of not having those set expectations, not having any assumptions, and just coming over as a blank slate, Mm -hmm. maybe in part that's, you know, was Part of the magic of what Paris then delivered to me, because they handed me a carné of ten tickets and said, "We'll see you on this day for this dinner," but you know, <laughs> I was left to my own devices, and so every night, I would come home lost, exhausted, (laughs) (laughs) grinning from ear to ear uh, from the experiences of that day. I'd spend the rest of the evening figuring out what I was going to do for the next day and then get lost again. And it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And I was hooked immediately. I feel like that's one of the
1: best descriptions I've heard about Like a day in France, you come home lost and exhausted, but with a big grin on your face. I love that. I have to turn that into some kind of meme or quote or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, okay. So you make this trip, you're obviously exploring, learning, and I'm assuming you fly back home because this is just a work trip. What fills in the gap there? Like, What makes you think, oh my gosh, I need to live in France?
0: Sure. You know, uh, we can all romanticize uh, a lot of that. And certainly uh, some of your previous uh, guests on your show have done so. But I'll be honest with you, being in the person that I am and the work that I am, I'm all about strategy. And so, yes, I love the food, I love the culture, I love the wine. But I'll be honest with you, a lot of it had to do with a long term strategy of where we were going to retire and live as we were aging. And so at that same time, we, my husband and I were also, because he's American as well, we were traveling all throughout the States. We were even considering going up into Canada to purchase our next property uh, to retire to. And I'm a, uh, (laughs) I am an entrepreneur at heart. I've owned my own businesses for so long, whereas my husband is more of the banker salaried type. So being the creative, I was looking also for a a nest to go to eventually that would kind of help me. The States doesn't always provide a, a, a security blanket for those who are serial entrepreneurs like me. And here in France, as I started to kind of dig into that a little bit more, there was the idea of having a pension, of having healthcare coverage, And so that eventually started the conversation. It didn't happen right away. But the conversation, as my husband got to know France more too, was, is this a viable strategy for us uh, to long-term retire to? And obviously the answer is and was yes.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of people in the U.S. are starting to think more and more that way in terms of thinking about whether the U.S. system sort of works when it comes down to retirement. And that's why I'm sure you've seen, too, obviously, how popular France is as a retirement choice for Americans. Uh, But, you know, as you also mentioned, you had your own business in the U.S. And I'm curious to know what that process was like to really, I don't know, did you transfer your business over and do the same kind of work? Or did you start fresh? Because you do do many different things and you're so good at all of them. I'm curious to know how you kind of went about with that process of not just moving yourself, but your business.
0: That's a great question, Vita. And it's one that I receive quite frequently because there are people who want to become digital nomads, they're looking to work a distance, uh, to work remotely or move a business model over here. And I'll be honest with you, my journey is probably one of the most difficult ones to, to do because I didn't marry an EU citizen. I moved over here by myself. I had to get a work visa and it's been a pretty challenging evolution. Also, at the same time, this type of visa doesn't allow for, I have a skills and talents that then eventually worked into a professional liberal visa, and uh, this doesn't allow for you to have employees. Well, back in the States at that time, I had a brick and mortar agency. I had employees, HR, we were a full service agency. And so when my husband and I really started getting serious about this, it took me about two or three years to get to the point where I was boots on the plane moving over here because I cared so and still do care so much about my employees I did not want my long term personal decisions to impact them from a career standpoint. So we had an all-up team meeting. I sat them down. I said, this is my long-term vision personally for myself. And so what I want to do is work with each one of you individually and mentor you up and out into your next dream job. I want this to be a boon for you, a, a positive change, and we will do it at your pace. And it took about about two and a half, almost three years for my very last employee to, uh, find her dream job. And she got it. She's still doing it to this day. And, uh, I, I literally locked the, (laughs) I locked the door of the office and I, you know, I turned off the lights, walked away from it, jumped on a plane and I have not been back to the state since. So there you have it.
1: (laughs) That's incredible, Shannon. And, you know, it just, It says so much about you and the kind of person you are that you did make sure to transition your business and your employees like that. And I'm curious to know for you personally, because you did have a team in the US, which can be challenging, but also can be great because obviously when you do have a good team, they can be very supportive. I'm curious to know, do you feel like You have more or less stress today now that you're in France.
0: Oh, that's a good question. I think it is an interesting, that's a, that could be its own podcast, right? (laughs) It could be, honestly, it is because it's the illusion of living a slow French life. I have not worked harder. I have not worked more hours. I am in not just working, but in my life, like my daily living. And Mm -hmm. I see it in all of my neighbors. Um, It's harder to see when you're in Paris. And for those of you who, you know, I'm assuming many of your, your subscribers and listeners, your audience do, do not follow me. But for those of you who don't, I split my time between Paris and the French countryside. I have a house out in Brittany and seeing that disparity is less clear when you're in paris but out here in the countryside it is very clear how hard these people work the average gross annual salary for a french citizen is 36000 euros 36000 before wow. taxes okay and they work constantly and so do i you know uh, it's it, it's not uh, an easy process to be an immigrant and it's not easy to move into this culture. Just the paperwork alone is so incredibly overwhelming at times. And I don't say that again, for the people that don't follow me, my goal always is not to sugarcoat what I, what my experience is here, because that does no one serve a service. It benefits no one by sugarcoating what it's like to be an immigrant in a different country, especially this one. What I do share is (laughs) and I try to at least, is constant optimism and positivity within the context of reality. And that is what I'm trying to to impart along with information so that you can make the best decision for yourself if you want to go down the same road.
1: That's incredible. And I think you do such a good job of doing that. If someone isn't following you right now and they may not know, I'll just share that. Shannon has uh, incredible content, just even on her Instagram account, that's free content she gives out and she creates these really elaborate guides and series on what you can expect when it comes to really all parts of the French life. So I know you recently did a series on uh, like unexpected costs and things that people might not always think about. Just right off the top of my head, I'm thinking of like the gas, the cost of gas in France is astronomical. But uh, I'd love to know, aside from some of those things, what was like a big culture shock for you when you first moved to France?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Bina, darling. And I would say, and thank you again for all the kind things that you were saying about me. It's so heartwarming and I really appreciate you and also what you are doing. I I want to share that love back to you and also thank you. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be on here because you as well are are a very clear mentor to your audience. And I think that's so important because you are also... You know, you you have your own French life and uh, (laughs) that is part of it, right? It's not just this French life and my French life. It is what that means to everybody, even if you don't live in this country. I wouldn't say that I I think there's a difference, right? Between culture shock and challenges, right? Mm -hmm. So perhaps it's just, let me uh, clarify in the sense that my move here as you can tell with through just even how i disbanded my agency in order to make this move here took me many years so if there was a culture shock and like what crystal said in one of your previous uh, episodes at the beginning sure you feel like a five-year-old child she mentioned that feeling like you were taken down to kind of a more of an infancy you know, okay. young child <laughs> level in your learning And I absolutely, I when the minute she said that, I was like, yes, I used to always say, I felt like a five-year-old. I don't even know how to get out this door, you know? And then you learn, oh, there's buttons on the inside to let yourself (laughs) out onto the street. It's that sort of cultural learning, right? Where there's this institutional knowledge that you have from a, from a very young age, and what that means as you grow up to a young adult, a teenager and beyond, and you don't get any of that. You just step right into it. So, but my my story, my storyline uh, covers quite a few years. So I wouldn't say that there was a culture shock per se, but more of just these constant, really big challenges that I had to figure out completely on my own. And that that's hard. That's really hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially because... You were doing that not only for your personal life, but your business too. As you mentioned, you are an entrepreneur, and I know that you continued entrepreneurship in France. And I think sometimes people don't realize this because a lot of times they'll ask me like, oh, why did you come back from France? And I tell them that it's a completely different story if I want to move back and be running my business in France. And to do that, it requires a lot more thought, a lot more planning, because it's a completely different ball game in France. And I'm curious yeah. for you, I know you mentioned there's been challenges too. What do you feel like, like on those days where you feel you know what, like I've had it. I'm, I'm so over this. When you just kind of reach the end of your, probably I would say patience <laughs> in France. Uh, what do you feel like kind of keeps you motivated? Like, what is it about France that I I know for so many people, they have this feeling of like, it. it's like a love hate relationship. <laughs> what do you think motivates you and encourages you that you made the right decision and you're right where you're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, that's uh, another great question. I think that ultimately that, that type of question goes back towards a fear, um, a fear of rejection, fear of failure. Um, there's a lot of base fears that this sort of experience brings out. And unless you are so self-aware to recognize that in yourself and work actively towards solutioning towards it, It can put you in a very negative mindset. You have to be so proactive about your mental, spiritual, and physical health through this process. And the more self-grounded you are to recognize, hey, this really taps or triggers this particular fear. And okay, let's step back big picture. I get a lot of messages I receive a lot of messages on a regular basis from people who have just moved here and they're looking for help, they're they're afraid. The long story and the lesson that I've learned is that it will all work out. And I think that doesn't, you don't have to be an immigrant to learn that one. It's just that you're relearning that through these, these experiences that are kind of scary, right? You're making big decisions on behalf of your life and your livelihood in the context of a new culture and country without a lot of support and if you can just pause and take a moment and realize that it will all work out and it's not as scary (laughs) as it may seem and reach out to people like me you know so that you can feel a bit more supported and know that you will be okay that's ultimately the best way of looking at it there right. is no one solution. There is no one journey and there's no one uh, right or wrong. You can be like me, <laughs> the perfectionist who has made all the lists and checked them off twice and still does it wrong. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and that, that is part of the journey and part of the story. And ultimately, one of the thing that I would say, the biggest piece of advice is don't chase the romanticism at first. You are chasing a dream. But don't romanticize your main character to the point that you falter and trip over it to the point of making yourself unhappy and exhausted. Get the house in a place that is an environment that makes you comfortable. Speak the language that makes you comfortable. Do the things, your hobbies, your passions that make you comfortable. You're doing the same thing and you are the same person that you stepped on the plane and stepped off the plane you are the same person you're just in a different place make yourself happy first and then romanticize it frenchify it <laughs> and 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 chase the rest of that dream later
1: on i love that advice and i think it's so important one of the things i always say is that i feel like i did have such a great experience being in france even for you know the little while that i was because I had traveled so much before that I also knew some of the things to expect and the differences. And I feel like I went with a really open mind and willingness to adapt as needed instead of, you know, expecting for it to be like this Emily in Paris sort of situation. Uh, but also, some of my favorite experiences in France were experiences that I had with people like you, where we just, you know, had a bottle of wine together and sat down and shared our, you know, sometimes common and sometimes different experiences together. And I think for anyone who is going to move and be an immigrant anywhere, one of the best things you can do is try to connect with people. Sometimes that's fellow Americans and network and and really create these friendships because that's the best part of i feel like moving really anywhere not just even another country maybe even another town or another state is this opportunity to meet new people and hear their right. stories and you know i remember when you told me your story i was just completely fascinated and also in awe of your bravery and I think your strength to do it because even I don't know know, half of what it takes to do what you did, but just the little bit that I do know, I know is so hard (laughs) and it's amazing that you are there now and you're thriving and I'm just always in awe of you, Shannon. (laughs) So thank you, sweetheart.
0: That means a lot to me.
1: So tell our listeners what you have been working on recently, because I know I mentioned some of those guides and series on your Instagram, but you really are just, if you guys don't follow Shannon, she is just like fire. (laughs) I'm just thinking (laughs) of like the fire emoji right now, because you come up with the most amazing content and it's all so professionally done. It all looks so good. And It's uh, all really like authentic, which I think is just really refreshing these days on social media. So let our listeners know anything fun you're working on or what they can look forward to.
0: Thank you so much, darling. Um, Again, I'm so grateful for all of your kind words and support. Uh, It really means a lot to me. And uh, in brief, I completely agree with you about having a growth mindset to create joy in your life. I think that is a wonderful practice and exercise that you, any of your listeners wants to nurture before making a move like this. Um, It's something that you can do well in advance. And anybody can do this, right? But it's so vital to have that growth mindset when you uh, move to a different country. Uh, as for myself, when I first moved here, I was still at doing a lot of uh, campaigns and work in marketing and, a- and agency PR work. I, at that point, I was specifically working with mid-level enterprises, making about $500 million or more a year, and working on the brand strategies or launching go-to-market campaigns that were being bought out before they even went to market. My son came over for university in Lyon, and um, just a few short months later, I At the time, I was living in Boone, Burgundy, again, with the checklist, Shannon and her checklist. I Mm -hmm. had all the checklists and I figured out the right things. But what I had missed was something really important to me, uh, which was being close to the sea and a climate that wasn't too hot. Mm -hmm. And I had rented a house up here in Brittany for the summer to get away from it. And my husband and I decided to move up here permanently. I'm very fast forwarding the story to get to the point of COVID. So uh, during COVID, obviously everything stopped, right? And everybody has their own stories. But mine is that I was living in the French countryside up here with my adult child <laughs> 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 I couldn't go to university. And thank goodness we were in the French countryside. We had so much fun. Uh, it was a blast. He would help me out in the gardens. We built a new potager, uh, which is a vegetable garden. We got chickens. I baked bread every day. I, it was actually, we had a blast. We, it was a very sad time, but we had a blast personally, and we are so blessed and so grateful to have had our health and happiness together but during that time my point is that um it gave me an opportunity for space and reflection do i still want to continue down this path of doing a lot of this sort of work Or do I play around with some other ideas? And so I, just out of pure boredom, I decided to create my own brand, which was This French Life. Just a reflection, again, similar to and going back full circle to that silly blog that I had created for my friends and family for my very first trip to Paris. Here I was unintentionally doing it all over again, but on a bigger level. And so I created an Instagram. And that has then grown into... A website where I share travel itineraries and plans. I created a magazine uh, that has been uh, published quarterly. I am now published on Amazon. I have a YouTube channel, (laughs) an email newsletter. It's a kind of a very global system now where my goal is to inspire both people who are interested in traveling to France or those who want to move here. And that's just it. I, I want to mentor and inspire those who follow me to live out their best dreams, even if they can't come here. So. And can friendship. I
1: also add that uh, something Shannon did not mention is she has fabulous style as well. <laughs> and I think that's also really fun to see too, is just your personal charisma, style, energy infused in what you share. And I want to point that out because um, I think, you know, people in this space listening to this podcast, they follow a lot of different bloggers and and just like I would say authority figures or experts in French living in France. So I'm sure they, they see a lot, but uh, Shannon just has a really unique, perspective and energy that she brings to her content which is what attracted me to following her in the first place and then taking it a step further and connecting with her and actually meeting up with her and becoming friends with her so i just want to point that out because i do think it makes you stand out beyond you know others in the space and and like i said your content is fantastic as you mentioned you have these incredible itineraries I actually you, like used your um your Strasbourg itinerary to help me plan out some of the itinerary for my upcoming retreat in December and so you know I'm using your guides too and I just think it's so helpful for others and you just offer the whole package so you know you're wonderful Shannon
0: <laughs> Thank you, Vita. Yeah, I my goal with those guides in particular is to share my personal experiences. So I'm not just writing about a place that I went to for a weekend. Uh, as an example with the Enfleur series, I actually rented a house and lived there for over a month uh, to really understand what that micro region was about. Um, live it, experience it, and to give an authentic review of that area. And uh, I often will go back multiple times as well. Um, I've visited all the departments of France and I've lived or had extended stays in many different regions. And so when I recommend something, I'm doing so from a place of authenticity, and uh, not just the actual online research, but I physically have been there. And I can tell you what to expect and how to best experience those things in regards to you know just my overall, you know, transparency here, right? I am, you know, in my mid forties and I don't see a lot of content creators, especially within this, this venue and this genre of France, uh, of my age group, you know, my mentors uh, in a digital world were like Oprah and Martha Stewart, who are eight aging out of that type of media, right? And I I think what I'm also trying to impart is a different story because a a lot of American, especially content creators in France are based in Paris and they're younger. Additionally, if you have some more of creators that are outside in the countryside in France and perhaps they are closer to my age or older, What I don't want to share is that, again, that sugar-coated version of France. Um, We can all look for that and we can find it. And I will obviously romanticize my own life because I do love it that much. I do love living here that much, but I also want to be that mentor for others to say, you know what, this really helped me. This helped me better understand what I was about to step into or what I was experiencing because ultimately your journey is going to be different whether you stay back in the States or in Canada or Australia, or wherever you're listening to this, or you do something like this, where you come over for one week, three weeks, three months or longer. It is no matter what about community and being really authentic and and genuine and transparent about the highs and lows that will come with it no matter what.
1: Yeah. And like I said, you do do that so well. And, and I think it is really important for everyone to get a clear picture of the the highs of living in France or, you know, even visiting, like you said, France and sometimes some of the, the real obstacles and struggles. So you do give a really nice, clear and full picture. And I uh, will be linking your Instagram account and um, your website here in the show notes as well. But Uh, If any of you are listening, do look up Shannon, head over to her Instagram for sure and follow her there because she's always putting out really great, relevant content. And I just, Shannon, want to thank you again for taking the time to sit here and chat with us. I know you're busy too, and you know, you have two I have to mention adorable doggies (laughs) that (laughs) you are also a mama too I know you mentioned your son but she also has two beautiful doggies and um, I know they they are part of your French life too so
0: thank you so much for being here and, and sharing your time with us Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved every moment of this conversation. I am so grateful to have had the opportunity to come on here onto your very special show and spend some time with you. Thank you so much, Vita.
1: Um, It's my pleasure. And for all of you listening, I, like I mentioned, I'll have the links to Shannon's info in the show notes below. And if you haven't signed up for my free French lifestyle guide, please feel free. I'll have the link to that as well. And you'll get that in your email as soon as you sign up. But thanks guys. And I'll chat with you next week.